Exodus 20, verses 1, 2, and 3. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Uh, right, I am going to pray briefly again for John and then mute myself and unmute John and hand over to, to John to take us forward. Father, we just uh, commit ourselves once again to to you, um, to the ministry of your spirit in our hearts through your word now. Would you do in our hearts, Father, what only you can do? We commit ourselves to listen uh, attentively, to listen with hearts bowed. But even so, Father, your work in our hearts is beyond just paying attention. It is a spiritual work done by your spirit through words inspired by your spirit. So would you do that now in our hearts through your servant, John? Amen. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, may I add my welcome to uh, Marco. It's at the beginning of the service this afternoon. It's great to see everyone along. Uh, if you're at home and looking at the quiz sheet, I'll give a clue when we get to question number one, but you're going to have to stay awake and watch out for the, uh, uh, the answers to the other questions as, as we go along. And I hope you find that helpful. And uh, before we get into, into God's word, if, I can just, uh, if we can just bow our heads in prayer briefly again, once more. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, the words in scripture we're looking at today, you spoke many, many years ago, yet you do not change. You still reach out with your love and your saving grace. You still rescue and bring people to yourself through the saving work of your son, Jesus Christ. You still speak to your people to guide them in your ways. Help each one of us today to listen to you, to hear you, to hear what you have to say, so that we can be those people you want us to be, and so that we can do those things you want us to do, and so that we can be obedient to you and walk with you. Amen. Okay, today we've reached the, the next thrilling instalment in the book of Exodus. We started out with God's rescue and the redemption of his people. They were rescued from slavery and bondage and rescued to worship God and to be God's people. And now we're at chapter 20 and the first three commandments. Last week, Mark helped us with an introduction to God's law. We looked at the introductory verses about who God is, about what he said, why he said it, our response. And we went on to look at Psalm 119, which we looked at at home groups as well. I don't know how everyone's getting on with memorizing their uh, little section of verses. Um, I've almost got three, so a little way to go for me. Um, see how you're going with everyone else, and we'll, we'll touch base on that at uh, another home group. Uh, today we're looking at uh, just a short section and some detail of what God said. We've been sprinting through the first bits of Exodus, but we're going to slow down now and just look at a short section. It's right that we slow down. After all, these are some of the few words that God took the trouble to write down himself 
he wrote them down on hard stone to preserve them. And they're preserved even now for us to know, for us to read in the Bible. So let's have a look at uh, these first of God's commandments that the church calls the Ten Commandments. So commandments, rules, laws, regulations. Hmm. Uh, We like it when other people follow them, but sometimes maybe we're not quite so keen to follow rules ourselves. Uh, Everyone may have come across the dreaded highway code, book of rules, regulations. When we cross the street, we follow the green cross code, or do we? Uh, Do we walk at right angles to the pavement? Are we careful to look around? Hmm. Those are the rules. The law is clear. It's our reaction that causes the confusion, especially as our default position is often to uh, see what we can do. That means that we can carry on doing what we want to do. Hmm. Do we see God as some kind of invisible traffic policeman just out of our sight and waiting to pounce with uh, some kind of celestial traffic camera and a pile of penalty notice? Do we think his commands don't apply? They're so old, thousands of years old. Do we think they're out of date? Or do we think we do quite well with his commands? Uh, I've not carved any idols this morning. Yeah, tick there. Or the other extreme. Do we think his commands are just impossible and too hard? Do we think they're irrelevant? Some of, the, some of them sound a bit strange. So what I've brought to share this afternoon is how can we approach and understand these verses? Possibly the most challenging verses in the entire Bible. How, when God requires us to do something, he enables us to do it. Remember, when God speaks, it happens. And how we must and how we can follow his commands. Okay, we're going to have a look at the verses in Exodus. And then we're going to whiz through the Bible, drop in on a prophet, a couple of apostles, and see what Jesus himself has to say. Okay, so first of all, what, where, when and who. These these words were spoken and written down by God. They're important. And as we've been learning from Psalm 119, God's words are described as, and I've got the order slightly wrong here because question two is coming up here in the quiz. God's words are described as laws and testimonies, commandments, precepts, judgments. They're described as the way, the path. God's words are pictured as treasure, as a song, as honey, a heritage, a companion, a counsellor, a light to show us the way. God's words are not just suggestions or some good ideas, a moral code, a philosophy, some general instructions, take it or leave it. No, God doesn't waste his words. His words are important. His words are for our benefit. His words are for us to do. And remember, God's words are his spoken breath. The way God accomplishes his words, his works, the way God does things, the way God created the world and all things. When God speaks, it happens. 
So where did all this happen? Happened at Mount Sinai. And coming up is possibly, oh no it isn't. And Mount Sinai is uh, a remote mountainous desert area, miles from civilization, with the Mediterranean Ocean far to the north. Yes, we're on question one of the quiz now. The promised land, modern Israel, a long way to the northeast, and the bleak deserts of modern Saudi Arabia across the Gulf to the east and the Red Sea down south. A wilderness, a place of nomads, wanderers, refugees, fugitives, bandits. Still today, it's off limits for safe travel. God chose this place, this wilderness, to bring his perfect law to a place entirely without law, to bring his peace and safety to a people of fugitives and refugees, folks desperate for hope and comfort. Sometimes we find ourselves in a remote and isolated place, a hard place. But remember, God is there. He knows we're there. And it's just possible he brought us there. And he will use that place for his good purposes. He will speak to us if we seek him, like he spoke to his people all those years ago. And when did this happen? This happened after God had rescued his people from slavery. After people were with him. And he's, he's chosen this time so that he can teach his people how to walk with him there in the desert wilderness and in the future to become prepared for a future in the, the promised land, their final destination. And so for us as believers in Christ, God's words show us how to walk with him now, each day, in this broken and sinful world, which does include some hard and rocky places. And his words also prepare us for a wonderful eternity with him. And who's involved in this? The commandments were given to God's chosen people. God had chosen and rescued his people. And the words are for us as followers of Christ. And if you're listening to this and are not a Christian or sharing with this who, with someone who doesn't yet know the Lord, these commandments are not the way to find God, not really. No, to do that, we need to ask God to help us to know him personally. To thank Jesus for dying on the cross for us in our sins and our wrongdoings. To accept God's forgiveness and to turn and commit to follow his ways and allow God to change us into the person he wants us to be. Okay, so that's the, that's the background. Now we come to the actual text. Verses 1 and 2 of Exodus 20. And God said, I am the Lord your God. God announces himself with a phrase that a king or a queen might use. Um, our queen might say, good afternoon, I am Elizabeth, your queen. God announces himself with his name, Lord in capital letters in our Bibles, stands for his personal name that he gave to Moses, Yahweh or Jehovah, it says in some Bibles. The meaning of I am, the God who always was, the God who is, the God who always will be. And that he's unchanging in his goodness, his grace and glory. All that he announced to Moses before, the last time Moses was at this mountain. He is God also, the Lord your God. 
He is God also, Elohim in the Hebrew, the strong, the mighty, divine and holy one, to be given serious respect. And God remains all those things today. And as happens so many times, God has made the first move. He's announced himself. Not only that, he rescued his people out of Egypt and he's rescued us. He's made the first move. And now he wants folks and us to grow in relationship with him. And so we come to verse three. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. The people are to serve only God. God must be given the highest priority. Number one in life, not another God. In Egypt, people worshipped many, many gods. And it would have been normal just to add God onto the list. But no, not someone else plus God, only God. And the concept of no gods before me also means no, nothing contrary to me. And as the ways of God are contrary to all the Egyptian gods, indeed all other gods, God is saying people can only have him alone and no other. It's, it's simple. God first, only God. That's it. I might stop there, actually. We can all go home. Um, but there's more because Moses provides clarity to this. He repeats the commandments some years later, as recorded in the book of Deut Deuteronomy. And there he explains. He says the same thing twice. Always helpful. So as well as repeating, you shall have no other gods before me. Moses also says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you may recognize that version as Jesus quotes this scripture as recorded in the New Testament. And that confirms that command is for us too, as Christians, as followers of Christ. The meaning is quite plain. God is number one in our life, not another God first, not ourselves first, not ourselves plus God tacked on, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, we are to love him. That is, serious, that is a serious challenge, a huge commitment. Just how do we do that? We shall come to that shortly. God also talks about idols and he talks about swearing oaths. And these are really just the same, same issue as putting God first and loving him first and last and only him. All to do with giving him respect, the mighty respect that he needs and is due to him. We're not to misuse his name. We're not to put anything else first in our life. Not any man-made thing, not any man-made philosophy or, or preference or priority. It's God first. It's as simple as that. Next, we're going to whiz on a thousand years after Moses and drop in on the prophet Jeremiah. During a very difficult time, that's an understatement, the kingdom of, was being invaded at the time when Jeremiah spoke these words. 
In Jeremiah 31, verse 33, God announces, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel, declares the Lord. I will put the law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And all the Israelites, Israelites had many ups and downs. They turned away from God at times. God never gave up on them. Time after time through all scripture, we see how God weeps for folks who rebel against his ways. Yes, he also brings judgment at certain times, but he calls again and again for people to return to him and he reaches out with forgiveness. And here God announces a new covenant. This time, his laws won't be written on stone slabs, but he will write it on the hearts of folks who put their trust in him. And jumping on another 700 years from Jeremiah to the time of the early church and the letter to the Hebrews, in chapter 8, we find a big reference to Jeremiah's prophetic words and the fulfilment of all the Old Testament laws in Jesus Christ. So that predicted new covenant is now in place. Instead of Moses and Aaron acting as intermediaries between the Israelites and God, through the saving work of Jesus Christ, we now have Jesus seated on the royal heavenly throne of God and acting as mediator between us and God. Instead of God's chosen people being limited to the Israelites, his chosen people have now been extended to all who follow Christ, which means, amongst other things, Jesus continually prays for us and supports us so that we may know God's forgiveness, so that we may receive the enabling help of his Holy Spirit. As we drop in on the Apostle Paul and his encouragement to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 2 he writes, you yourselves, that's the Corinthian folk, the Corinthian believers, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And in verse 17, he goes on. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul is emphasising how now with God's words written in our hearts, written by the Holy Spirit, as we seek to follow God's ways, we're transformed, we're changed, we're made bit by bit into an image of God. At the time of Moses, God's commands were written on cold tablets of granite. There were rules written down to be read, taken in, and then a struggle to follow them. But now, as followers of Christ, God writes his words inside us. As believers, we have God's own Holy Spirit to explain his words to us so that we may know 
what to say, what to do in life. So that we cannot just speak to people about God and say, hey, have a read of God's commands. But we can explain and show folk what it is to follow God. We can say, look at me, do those things with me, come with me to to know God and grow in his ways. Yes, we still mess it up. Yes, we still get it wrong. We still have to go to God and ask for forgiveness. But step by step, bit by bit, as we allow him, God is growing in us his ways, the fruit of his Holy Spirit. Let us pause to say what uh, Jesus says about following him and keeping his commandments. The Sermon on the Mount is all about clarifying misunderstandings with with, uh, the Ten Commandments. And at the beginning of Jesus' sermon, his first words in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jim has been helpfully considering these verses in the lunch Zoom cafes as they're continuing this week. And here as Jesus is describing how followers of God should be, what our attitudes, our thoughts, our approach should be, what needs to be in our hearts before we get to what we should do. He describes God's people as blessed, as knowing God's deep sustaining joy and peace in all situations. When we are poor in spirit, when we realise our spiritual bankruptcy and we submit to God in humility and God promises entry into his kingdom. When we mourn, we sorrow for our sins, our tendency to sin and do the opposite of what God says, sorrowing for the broken of this world and our need for forgiveness and the great comfort that God brings with his forgiveness. When we are meek, when we put God first, when we put others first, when we are selfless rather than selfish, that can be tough. It can require us to be tough. But this is how we inherit God's amazing blessings. And when we hunger and thirst after God's righteousness, when we seek first his kingdom, his agenda, God's plan for us, then we're filled with God's wonderful fullness that's his Holy Spirit which enables us, strengthens us, changes us, builds us up to follow him. And Jesus says in Matthew, that reminder to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The Apostle John in 1 John 5 says, this is love for God, to keep his commands. Yes, we have to be obedient. It's not an option. To fulfill that command of loving God, we have to do what God wants us to do. But one John goes on to say, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. God enables us through his Holy Spirit 
so that there's no impossibly heavy burden on us. To use Paul's description, the Holy Spirit writes God's words on our hearts, bring, brings his words to mind to us, so that we, and changes us, so that we become God's message for us and for others. So putting all this together, God speaks his commands to us, to put him first in all areas of life, to love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. Yes, this is off the scale. It looks impossible, but it's not impossible for God. Remember, God speaks and it happens. God spoke these commands and he makes them happen in our lives. His Holy Spirit changes us so we can obey. To sum up, I found the four four steps to be helpful, which come at the end of the quiz, folks. And number one, stop. I can't do this. We have to be honest with God. We can't do this ourselves. We need to stop what we might be trying to do. That's of our own energy and our own ideas. Number two, on the mark. Let's get set. Let's get, let's get to the right place on the mark. We need to say, I'm sorry. We need to get to the right place on the track with God. We need to say sorry and ask his forgiveness. We need to be sorrowful for our sins, accept his forgiveness. Number three is get set. Please help. We need to get ready to go. We don't have the necessary love and commitment, so we need to ask God for his help, his strength, his Holy Spirit. We need to be meek and allow God to work. We need to hunger and thirst for the, work, for the words, for the tools which God supplies, for his nature to grow in us. Now go now we're ready to go to follow god in what he wants us to do today what he wants us to to do where he wants us to go the folks he wants us to meet now now we're ready to worship to pray to get stuck in now we can love god to the max now we must get on with it we must go and so we can love god with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. And it's in response to what God has done for us. A friend once reflected, in sending Jesus to die for us on the cross, in rescuing us, in doing all these things for us, God has showed how much he loves us. You see, God loves us with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength. That is just incredible. And what is our response? Our response must be to love him, to ask for his help, to stop what we're doing, to get on the mark, say I'm sorry, to get set, ask for God's help, and to go. To go and love God with all our heart and soul and mind, so that nothing is a higher priority in comparison to God. Let me pray for us as we let those words come to our minds and sink into our hearts. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for all you have done. 
you sent your only son Jesus to be our saviour, to take our sins onto that dreadful cross, to restore us to you. Thank you. As we look to Jesus, you send your Holy Spirit to help us. Please remind us to stop and realise we need you. Please help us to get set. Forgive us when we hear your commands but mess up. Help us to get ready. Fill us, help us with the encouragements and guidance and strength of your Holy Spirit. That we may go. Go in your ways. And love you, Lord, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, so that you are first and top priority. Amen.